Hello, everyone, and good morning to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines. While we allow people to get settled in and get coffee or whatever they need to and grab their Bibles, we're going to go ahead and play some music. I just want to praise you by Robert Frierson, sung by the Alfred Street Church Choir. Thanks so much for joining me. Mr. Gaines, hi. Good morning. Delia, good morning. How are you? Anitra, good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Amen. We appreciate you being here. Good morning, Brother Roscoe. Good morning, Arella. <laughs> Ronnie, good morning. Angie, good morning. Thanks for being here. The Lord is worthy of our praise. Amen. everybody. Coffee was a necessity this morning, but we're doing well. Amen. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for stopping by with us today. 
Amen. All right, that is, um, I just want to praise you. And indeed, that uh, is a beautiful song. That's one of my favorites. Uh, it's a song that uh, means a great deal um, when it really comes down to the goodness of God and how he has been faithful all through our lifetimes. And uh, we are just so appreciative of you being here today. We've got a um, shorter song today because it actually allows us to get through some more scripture. Um, we're going to go through some passages in Acts again. But I want to make some announcements about uh, our agenda for today as a church anyway. Uh, first of all, the, we do have the prayer ministry that's scheduled between Sunday school and church today. For those of you who are coming to church, to Akron Alliance, uh, we meet between Sunday school and the morning worship service for prayer time. And we appreciate uh, those who are involved who continue to be seeking the Lord in prayer and and giving matters to Him. I think that's paramount in how we do what we do. So that will be t- uh, taking place about 10.30 uh, after we're off of, of uh, Sunday school today. Uh, that's just for the people here in the church. Um, today's message will be uh, presented online as well as uh, here in the church. Uh, While You're Able is the name of the message. I'll be bringing the message today. It will be available online for those of you who are not coming to church uh, in Akron on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page today at 10.30. It will see that online as well, too. So make a note of it. And it is um, uh, a message that's really all about uh, making sure that if you have not uh, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, uh, there's no better time than right now, the present, and doing it while you're, you're capable of doing it. So uh, you'll see what I mean by that when you, if you look at the message, you'll, you'll know where I'm go- going with that. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We appreciate you giving prayerful consideration to the worship aspect of uh, giving. Uh, if you are mailing your tithes and offerings to our church, please mail them to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. That's Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And we appreciate you doing that as well, too. We are going to go ahead and get into our lesson today. Our lesson uh, is in the book of Acts, and we're going to be in chapter 2, and we're going to be concluding chapter 2. We're following up with the second portion of Peter's sermon and getting into the first gathering of the believers as believers in Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verses 29 through 47 are the passages. So we're going to go through those and just kind of as we go through them and we're going to be in prayer over this that the Spirit speaks. But at the end of the day, what we're going to see here is that um, you're going to see the Spirit doing a lot of work in this particular section of scripture and I want to make that very clear that um, it is not by our own uh, abilities that we do anything it's because the spirit enables us to do these things and I think it's important for us to acknowledge that and recognize it as well too Um, God has been very gracious God has been wonderful um, especially um, having a Uh, People who are moved by the Spirit to pray um, as well for our family and uh, what we've been uh, going through. The one thing about um, 
when we the funeral for my mother is not until this coming Friday, and you know you you have to kind of sit and linger through all of that and all the preparation for those things, and and there are moments that that, that come in time where you're just really really scuffling uh, because of the aspect of what's going on, but. But God has been very faithful because he has been always present and ever-present and continues to be. And um, I'm just very thankful for him uh, at this moment because it's the reason why I do what I do. I'm just uh, very convicted to just continue to stay and plow ahead and press forward for the course of proclaiming the good news and proclaiming the truth. And Jackie, good morning. I appreciate you being here as well, too. Thank you. so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and get into this since we have a few more verses than I normally cover during the uh, Sunday session, but I think it's important to cover all of these. I debated about doing part of it and I said, nope, let's just do the whole thing and go through it and look at this ministry that's being established. And, and of course, Peter is the one who is going to be speaking here uh, in the passage, but let's go ahead and turn your, well, let's, let's pray first. That makes sense, right? Father, we thank you for this time that you've given to us now to sit quietly and hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I thank you for the ability just to sit quietly and just uh, take some deep breaths and welcome you into our presence. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing and all that you continue to do. Lord, we are gracious, graciously thankful for all that you have done. And we thank you for peace and grace. And thank you, Lord, for giving us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding as we read your word. And we give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Acts chapter 2. Let's look at verses 29 through 47. And we're going to look at part 2 of Peter's sermon, as I had mentioned. And then the establishment of the the church. And now I want to be clear about something too, because you have to remember the people who were in the apostles and the people who were in Peter's company and all the other apostles, they've been meeting and praying all along. But they've been meeting and praying all along prior to the emergence of the Holy Spirit, which we read about a couple of Sundays ago. And then we had Peter having to admonish some of the people in the crowd that... Um, what they were witnessing were people who were not drunk. They were indeed uh, filled with the Spirit and able to speak as what was mentioned and prophesied uh, prior to all of this. But now let's get into the topic here about part two of the message and basically uh, talk about what David uh, David's involvement here and his uh, prophetic message that he we'll read about. Let's start with Acts chapter 2, verse 29, and I'm going to take it all the way to verse 47 reading all the way through, and we'll be reading from, of course, the New Living Translation. So thanks again so so much for being here today. Let's go through the passage, starting with Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. Verse 31, David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead 
or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Verse 33, Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand, until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Verse 36, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him to the, and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Verse 40, Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, pardon me, many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Okay, that's Acts chapter 2, verses 29 through 47. I guess if we're looking at a moment, a watershed moment in Scripture about the best example of a church, it would be this one here that we have at the end of Acts chapter 2. Because what we'll find as we go further into the study in Acts, we're going to see some things that are going to happen that are going to be less spirit-filled and more (laughs) person-filled, I guess is the best way to put it. However, Let's let's look at it for what it truly is. You know, even in, even in those instances, God ha- is going to still maintain His authority over the church. He still has not lost authority just because people start to get involved and do things that they think are appropriate. And some of those things are are what God allows, and some of those things are what God would not necessarily allow. But at the end of the day, He has not lost one iota of authority over the church. But I think. It, just for the sake of this discussion for today, we'll get to those areas in Scripture when we need to as we go further into the study of Acts. But I love how Luke, um, I love Luke's writing style. He just gets to the facts and gets to the information that we need to have that is relevant for understanding here. And he's doing exactly what needs to be done here. He's communicating what we need to understand and know about this particular section of Scripture. 
and especially about the beginning of the church uh, as we understand it today. Let's go back and look at this again, back to the top, and recognize that, first of all, David, when we mentioned Acts chapter 2, verse 29, dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. Understand that, first of all, um, where Peter was probably standing in the temple area, it probably wasn't too far away from where you could see the tomb where David was. So he's using David as an example here and is speaking through the Spirit about what's going taking place here. And he's David, even though he was speaking, you know, he was talking about how he has died and buried, his body is still in that tomb, um, according to what we understand, right? But he wasn't referring to himself. He was referring to, prophetically, the message about who Jesus is. Go to verse 30, Acts chapter 2, verse 30. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. He's not talking about all the kings that just followed after David, not talking about Solomon, not talking about all those who followed him. He is referring to much further down the line, but further down the line referring to Jesus. And we need to recognize that that this is a prophetic message, and David was buried. He died and was buried, like, like it says in verse 29. But he's writing about how the Messiah would be resurrected. And, in fact, he's making it very clear. Verse 31, David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection he was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. Now, we covered this briefly last week, but let's go back to it again just to reiterate the prophetic message in Psalm 16. Go to Psalm 16, everybody, and we're going to cover verses 8 through 11. And when we read these things and see Scripture being fulfilled... And remember, this, this scripture was available for everyone to understand as well, too. Everyone who was in this, this audience who was knowledgeable about scripture, they were aware of what was written uh, in what is now referred to as the Old Testament. But back then, that this was the actual scripture that was available for everyone and anyone who wanted to uh, test out and see exactly what was being said. Psalm 16, verse 8. Verse 8, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible Version. I, will, I always let the Lord guide me because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. Verse 11, you reveal the path of life to me and your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Now in verse 10, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus is not going to be abandoned. Even though Jesus died on the cross, we all know about that. And we recognize that. He was in the uh, earthly tomb for three days, but he was not allowed to see decay. He, was not, he didn't remain dead. He was resurrected. And that's David speaking about the lineage of Jesus that's going to follow through, follow him, 
And he is the one who is not going to be left in the grave. And that's something for us, very important for us to see. We always need to emphasize the importance of the fact that Jesus came back from the dead, rose from the grave. If he didn't do that, there's no reason for us to be here. No reason whatsoever. Other than just to say we're a glee club or whatever it is, we're getting together and having fellowship. But at the end of the day, there's no hope with a dead Christ that stays dead. It has to be a risen Christ. And so Peter is making this statement. Remember, this is the middle of a message, a sermon that is taking place. And he is emphasizing the importance here about how Jesus rose from the dead and is at the right hand of the Father. Verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. Now remember, we're talking about how time is not passed at that much from that much before when Jesus did rise from the dead. In fact, we're talking approximately two months prior to this. And that's not long. We were just making comments today about how quickly the time is passing by. I, I remember the first of the year and now it's the middle of February and time is moving by very quickly. But two months is two months. We, we have to look at it for what it truly is. I'm rounding off everybody. It's not exactly two months. It's around that time. But that was the time when Jesus rose from the dead, came back. You remember he was with the uh, disciples for about 40 days after he rose from the dead, speaking and teaching, giving instruction, frankly helping to gird the apostles up to get ready to get into this thing for sure, restoring Peter to where he was able to now fulfill and complete his mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Peter is speaking right now, and we are witnesses of all of this. And we are witnesses of all of this too by what? By faith. By faith. We didn't see anything, but we have faith that everything that we're reading about is 1,000% true, and there's nothing that's being left to chance here. Jesus indeed, indeed did rise from the dead. Now look at verse uh, 33. Now he has exalted the place to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. It's the event that just took place moments ago before Peter had spoken. So now if you're in the audience here and you're looking at all of this and you're listening to what's happening here, can you imagine the amazing things that the Spirit is doing to call to the attention all the words that were being spoken by Jesus, all the words that were being spoken by the prophets, all the words that, are, that Peter are uttering right now, all the teachings that are taking place, all coming together, all coming together to a place where everyone is gaining understanding because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Father kept His promise, just as He had promised, gave Him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. Now let's look at verse 34. This is something we want to make sure that we're looking at very carefully because um, if you read too quickly, it might be a misunderstanding of some sort. Acts 2, verse 34. So, For David himself never ascended into heaven, 
Yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand. Now let's be be very clear about what this is saying here. And we need to understand that it's a good idea for you to make sure that you are using commentaries as well too as you look at stuff like this. When we say the words not ascended or never ascended, this is spoken in reference not to David's body, but to his soul. His soul did go to a place. His body did not. We have to use the, make the distinction here because Jesus uh, rose back and ascended to the Father uh, in body, with body and spirit. The entire package was there. David did not. And we need to recognize that he was indeed referring to David still being in the tomb, his body still in the tomb. Jesus came from the tomb. Jesus came in a glorified body from the tomb and ascended to the right hand of the Father. And we have to make the distinction um, and looking at it from that standpoint, and as you do more and more study about this, when we die, we're not taking our bodies with us. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, but that's only with our souls, our spirits. It's not our bodies that are going. And we have to recognize that this is consistent teaching here. The only time we're going to have our resurrected bodies is when the Lord brings them together. When he calls whatever the bodies together, our bodies with our, our souls and spirits, to these new perfected bodies that we refer to. That Jesus possesses right now. But for when we die, we leave our bodies here. Just like David left his body here. And so that's an important fact for us to keep in mind and remember here. We're being consistent with what Scripture says. We're not going to be having our risen body. I would love to have my new body because I know right now the body that I have, I don't want what I have right now. Right? When your toes hurt and you're... And, and you don't want to take what you have into heaven with you. You're going to want perfected bodies. Um, all of us who feel that our bodies aren't cooperating sometimes, and they're not. And every now and then I get, you know, I have the thing where my, my finger, my hand, is, it starts to catch and I do this little thing here. So that's, that's kind of inconvenient because that's my writing hand. I don't really care for that very much. Thank goodness for typewriters. Um, but for what it's worth, we need to recognize that we're, our souls are going to be the what are separates from our bodies upon death. And we, you know, frankly, once we are both our bodies separate from our, you know, our souls separate from our bodies, that is it for us as far as making any kind of uh, statements about the goodness of Jesus Christ. We, that's going to be the part of the message today as well too that's coming up. So. Let's read again what it says, verse 34. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I, I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. And that actually is also coming from David as well too. Turn to Psalm 110. Psalm 110. These words that are being repeated here that Peter is speaking of, he's doing what every good person who's doing a sermon does sourcing his information he's sourcing it he's going back through scripture and passages that's what every good pastor every good preacher does he sources his information 
Psalm 110, verse 1. A Psalm of David. Psalm 110. I'll wait till you get there. Psalm 110, verse 1. And it's not the only place in Scripture where this is mentioned, but here's one example of it. Psalm 110, verse 1. A Psalm of David. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. How about that? The same reference that we have there. And that's very important for us to see. And just for the sake of uh, consistency here, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22. 1 Peter 3, verse 22. Amen, Jackie. You know the pain, right? That's right. Pain reminds us we have bodies, amen? <laughs> That's what it does. First Peter chapter 3, verse 22. And this is Peter in written his epistle. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in, place of, in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. Remember what I said about how the church is always under the authority of Jesus Christ. He has complete authority. He has complete authority over our lives. He has complete authority over how we conduct ourselves when it comes to this thing about praise and worship. And he has given us guidelines for all of these things. Because let's face it, there is an appropriate way to praise and worship the Lord, isn't there? There's an appropriate way to do it. You just can't do it willy-nilly any way you want to. You do it because you want to do what? You want to lift his name up. You want to glorify him. And that's important for us to see here too. And he has complete authority that we recognize here. And Peter in this sermon, in this message, is basically sourcing the material based upon David's communication about how he indeed said prophetically, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Now, I don't want to go too quickly here, until I humble your enemies. What enemies is he referring to? Those who are opposed to God. Those who are opposed to Christ. Those who are opposed, those basically he's talking about Satan, anybody who's following Satan. Because there is going to come a time until I humble your enemies, understand something. That means that there is a definitive time when Satan's going to be defeated completely. Well, he's already lost. He already doesn't have the victory. But then that defeat will be final. Just like at the end of a football game, you'll watch the time tick down. The, the leading team, the quarterback, will kneel and take a, 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 a kneel and make sure that it... Uh, He's counted as down and let the time tick off the clock. And then the clock goes down to zero. Well, there's going to come a point where the clock's going to, go, going to go down to zero for the enemies of Christ. And that's when it'll be official. There is a time that we need to be concerned about as believers for those who don't know Jesus. Because we need to recognize that. 
So let's go to verse 36 because I want to get through the rest of this and get to the end here. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Now look out now because here's where Peter is going to now point the finger at some people here. And, you know, he doesn't call out any names here. But you better believe that the Spirit's going to be doing some convicting. The one thing we don't know about in Scripture, you know, there are witnesses to Christ going to the cross. There are witnesses of Him carrying that cross. There are witnesses of Him being nailed to that cross. There are witnesses of Him being on the cross for a period of three hours or so, whatever that time was, before He eventually died. Because remember, we're only talking about, what, a couple of months of time passing since when He went to the cross. Let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? The people were moved. Who do you think moved those people? Was it just Peter's words or was it the Holy Spirit? You better believe it was the Holy Spirit. Because, first of all, remember how Jesus said, for those of you who are paying attention, he has said that in the past because he knows that some people in his audience are paying attention to what he's saying and some are not. Now, I'm going to trust that in that particular crowd, everybody was paying attention. And there were a lot of people who were listening. And we know this because of the result of what took place after all this was said and done. Peter's words pierced their hearts. That's where we have to understand the truth of Jesus. When we first made a declaration of Jesus as Lord, what had to happen? The Word of God had to pierce our hearts. The Word of God had to show us that we needed a Savior. What should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins. And turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And all of us had to have had someone speak to us about the goodness of God, the peace of God that you would receive when you acknowledge Jesus as Lord. The Holy Spirit had to be acting in the lives of those people who are in the audience of this crowd. Verse 39, This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. All who have been called. And this comes down to, yes, the the hearts were pierced, but now it's being obedient. Obedient hearing what the Lord had to say and now internalizing it and now speaking up about it. Now, one of the things I've always thought that was very interesting about, you know, when when I'm in church and let's say you make a call for people to uh, acknowledge Jesus Christ. And here's what's really important for us to understand as we go through this from, you know, here on out, frankly, because it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Some people will sit still. They know they need Jesus, but they are embarrassed because they don't want to show themselves as in need of something. 
or humbling themselves enough to do it. And you better believe I expect that pretty much every time we make an altar call. Because I know, deep down, not every single person in the audience knows Jesus. I just know it. It's not 100%. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think that the 3,000 were embarrassed by acknowledging who Jesus was? Or did they just go out and say, you know what, I, I want to know the Lord right now. I'm guilty of all the things that Peter has said. I have done all the things that he has done. I condemned the Lord by not acting. And I'm making a decision to turn that entire way of thinking around. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. The promise of what? The Holy Spirit. When you acknowledge Jesus as Lord. But what does it require you to do? Repent. Turn from your sin. And what if someone says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I, I'm too far gone. I'm too far gone. I don't, I, I, the Lord can't do anything with me. Well, actually, I love, I heard this, you're halfway there. The moment you acknowledge that you need a Savior, that you are, you say you're too far gone, well, that's in your words. And don't let Satan trick you. No, you're not too far gone. You're too far gone when you're dead and you can't say anything. But you're there if you just repent and turn and give that matter, give those sins to Jesus. That's why he went to the cross, for your sins. The sins that you think are that you're too far gone from. Look at verse 40. I want you to see this. Very important for us to see this. You've got to turn to Jesus, right? Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. And I, and I kind of overlooked this. He was still preaching. He was still going. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take a flyer and say it was probably a little bit longer than a 45-minute sermon. I'm going to say that he probably went a little bit longer than that. But he had a very captive audience. And remember, there were all these people who were converging in Jerusalem for this festival for this time to get together and Peter just kept preaching and preaching. A long time, we don't know how long, but I'm going to say it was probably longer than 45 minutes. Probably longer than an hour. Might have been a couple of hours. And he was strongly urging the listeners, guess what, the people walking up, the people who were converging around there, people had, weren't quite clear what was being said, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And at the end of the day, those who were practicing the old Mosaic law, they were part of that crooked generation. Because Jesus was now the focus. It was important for Jesus to be the focus. Practicing religion doesn't get it done. It's about a relationship. A relationship with Jesus. And up until that time, all the Mosaic law that was being practiced, it's just religion. It's just a religion. Verse 41, Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. That was just for the one day. Now we have to understand something that this was a one day thing. 
just for the one day, 3,000 are now believers in Jesus Christ in the same manner for those today that believe in Jesus Christ. They're practicing a relationship with Jesus Christ right then and there. But that didn't mean we threw away the temple. We didn't throw away the practice of prayer. We didn't throw away the, the principles behind that. Those things weren't thrown away. They were enhanced. They were now much better because people were acting with the Spirit as they were moving. And that's what we want to see here. The other apostles were there. The other apostles may have been there speaking to people. Remember, the, the people were asking, not just Peter, but the other apostles who were there, what must we do? They were probably speaking to the people there as well, too, about what it meant to accept Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Christ had to be the focus. And we need to see that this church that got together, 3,000 is a lot of people by any account, 3,000 is a lot of people. And so we have to also conclude, too, that even though there were 3,000 that were added, this may have been also the, the fragmenting of different church groups. Because you can't get 3,000 people together every time to worship together. Unless, I guess, you go to a... I won't say it. One of those arenas out there you can go and worship. But that's, that's not really fellowshipping with everybody. But you have to get together with people. So what took place here? Go to verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Okay, so what, what it means is they got together in groups. They had to get together in prayer. They were listening to the apostles' teaching and speaking. They were doing what we would normally do like at a prayer meeting. They were getting together we have our prayer ministry. We get together. There's about eight or nine of us in the back that get together and pray. But guess what? Where two or more are gathered, the Lord is present. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if you're, there's eight of you or 800 of you or 8,000 of you. And the Lord's Supper was included in that. Notice how the Lord's Supper was. What was the Lord's Supper for? The Lord's Supper was to do what? Remember the works of Jesus. The body and the blood being shed. The practice we have on the first Sunday every, every month. 3,000 new believers. Now, understand something. They were all learning about a new faith in Jesus. Brand new believers. Look at verse 43. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So what was happening here, the apostles were enabled by the Spirit to continue to perform signs, wonders, and miracles. Let's just call it the icing on the cake. Further evidence for those people who were acknowledging who Jesus was you know, some of them had to see some miraculous things. Well, that's what Jesus did. Jesus did the same thing when he was alive. He performed miraculous signs and wonders. The apostles were enabled for that time to do the same thing. Why? These are all new believers. 
These are people who needed to share, spread the word and share. You'll never believe what I got my, you know, what I received the other day. The goodness of God through Jesus Christ. And you tell other people about it. That's what we as believers are supposed to be doing too. Because we've seen the goodness of God work in our lives. We've seen the things that God has done. And what do we do? We share that with other people. We talk about the goodness of God with other people. They would see these signs and wonders, these miracles. They would see the fellowship. They would see people praying, devoting themselves to prayer, breaking bread together. Verse 44, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Sharing with everything as far as what they have. Here's something real simple, and I think my, my lovely bride mentioned this earlier. You know, there are people out there who need Bibles. If you've got extra Bibles that you're not using, share them. Share them with those people who need them. Is there anything better than sharing God's Word than just giving them a Bible and just saying, hey, here's something that you can look at to focus on? And, and, here's, and here's why I mention this. You know, when, if you go out and buy a Bible, there are very simple Bibles you can buy, buy for, I don't know, $15, $20, you know, that are pretty simplistic, that, that have the Word there. But if you, a, a real good study Bible is going to cost way more than that. Fifty bucks in many circles. And a good study Bible is really, if you really want to ensure that you're spreading the Word and sharing the Word with somebody... Give them something who's really hungry to read and understand more about the Word. Give them a study Bible. Share what you have. And if you don't know quite how to share about what you have, pray about it. God will let you know how you can share. They wanted everybody to have the benefit of the gifts of God. And some people, you know, some people have... uh, Money, you know, it's not that has to do with money, but sharing what you have that you can spare, that you can give to someone else. Maybe it's clothing. Maybe it's food. Just pray about it. You never know how God, God might surprise you. If you ask the Lord, He might surprise you. Oh, share this, huh? (laughs) It might be something you might not have thought about. But the Lord knows exactly what the other people need that you're praying about. He knows what they need. And He'll tell you what they need. And He'll help you with that. Verse 45, They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They did it willingly. They did it not begrudgingly. That's a big deal, selling your property and sharing money with others who don't have anything. But I want you to see how powerful the Spirit was moving at that very moment. This was something that was very, very unusual. People parting with the things that they had, that they had had maybe for a long time, and deciding, you know what, this other person needs to reap the benefit. This person who's always hungry, this person who doesn't have a lot. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So what does this say now? Look at this, this church. Ideally, we go to church. 
They worshipped the temple every day. They went every day. Remember, there's no TV back then, no radio, nothing like that. You know, no J. Vernon McGee on the radio to listen to, no Charles Stanley to watch on TV. They were fully devoted to worshipping every day. They did it on their own. They went to church. They went to the temple every day. Remember, they used to go to temple. What's different? Christ, the Spirit. Spirit-filled worship. Men in the homes for the Lord's Supper. That's the fellowship time. Some of us are really good at fellowshipping with others. Some of us are great with hospitality. It's a gift from the Spirit. Spirit enables people to do those things. And shared their meals with great joy and generosity. You know, one of the most uplifting things that I did this past week was spending time with my aunt and uncle going to going to lunch. What a blessing to have people who love you and care for you and are genuinely concerned for you. And they're doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are representing they are representing the Father, representing Jesus in that action. All the while praising God, verse 47, and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So it wasn't just the 3,000 that one day. It was maybe another 100, maybe another 200, maybe another 100 here, another... The church was exploding right at that moment. Days, within days of Peter's sermon, his message, and the Spirit was moving throughout the people, giving them the ability to truly worship and praise the Lord. That is the epitome. That's the church model that we all want to always follow. Now, we have a thing where we set up now where we worship on Sundays. No question about that. And when we get back out of daylight savings time, back into daylight savings time again, we'll be back on Wednesdays as well, too. Uh, back at church as well, worshiping and giving praise. Or praying or meeting together, fellowshipping together. But we do it for the common purpose of, frankly, encouraging each other. I mean, that's what church is all about. We encourage each other. We're here to encourage each other. And you better believe that these individuals here, because let's face it, not everybody agreed with what was going on here. We're going to see that as time goes on. The people who were entrenched in the old Mosaic law, they were not in agreement with what this thing about Jesus was all about. They wanted to go back and practice what they were practicing before. They were the Judaizers. So when we talk about taking a step of faith, they were taking a step of faith. Trusting that what they were doing was most important. And that was believing in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. What a lesson to learn for today. Everyone, what Peter spoke to in that crowd, had to make a decision to repent or continue doing what they were doing. 
The ones who were trying to blow off what was taking place, well, they're just drunk. Well, you better believe Satan was not just sitting on the sidelines. You know, he was waiting for opportunities to get more involved with this thing, but he couldn't stop what happened here. Thousands of people came to know Jesus in those moments following his sermon, the day when 3,000 were saved, and day after day as they got together and worshiped and praised together, more and more came into the fold because they couldn't keep it to themselves. They shared with others about the goodness of Jesus Christ and the Spirit was right there to help it along. May we live in such a manner where we look at this lesson and see the goodness of Jesus Christ in spreading the good news to everyone who is willing to hear it. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for this time. We are thankful for your presence today. We are thankful for the teaching that takes place. And as we continue in the study of the book of Acts, Lord, we recognize that you were actively trying to reach people for a saving knowledge of Jesus. You were acting through the apostles. You were acting through Peter and the others who were speaking your truth. You gave them the ability to perform signs and wonders, to have people see the goodness of your, of having a relationship with you. Not a religion, but a relationship. Thank you for that teaching and understanding. We pray now, Lord, as we move forward today, for those in our midst who do not know you, may you speak personally to them that they recognize the goodness of having a relationship with you. May they repent and turn from their sin and acknowledge you as Lord and Savior because you died on the cross for their sin, for our sin, for everyone's sin. We thank you, Lord, give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We appreciate you being here for this edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here today. Kelly, how you doing? I see you there. And Lisa, God bless you. Take care of yourselves. Uh, we'll see you around the corner. Um, for those of you here in church, prayer ministry in a few minutes. But for right now, take care of yourselves. God bless you. See you around the corner. See you next time.